Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The redemption of Christ is mysterious and well beyond our natural understanding and all its rich significance. Without the Old Testament picture of the Passover, we would have no way to see all the wonderful and mysterious details and aspects of Christ's eternal redemption. How we thank the Lord for this portrait of redemption from the book of Exodus. This is Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two faithful ones who served God in China more than 60 years ago. Watchman Nee was imprisoned and eventually martyred for his faith, but in God's sovereignty, Witness Lee was spared to continue this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America. It was here that he began the Life Study of the Bible in 1974. In 1979, he came to the book of Exodus, and joining us for fellowship as we find ourselves preparing to escape with the children of Israel is Dennis Agashi. And Dennis, you've been away for quite some time. We realize you were out of the country. It's very good to have you back, and I'm glad you could make it back for another message on the Passover. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be back, especially to join you in the life study of Exodus. Well, Dennis, we are being treated this week to some tremendous insights and deeper appreciation, I would say, of our redemption in Christ as we are seeing it through this picture of the Old Testament Passover. What strikes me is that it's the details of the Passover, properly interpreted, that really hold the key to our deeper understanding. I wonder if you'd take a minute and review some of the meaningful things that we've seen this week. Well, Chris, of course, in 1 Corinthians 5-7, Paul writes that Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. He doesn't say... Christ, our Passover lamb, which means the entire Passover is a representative of Christ. All the items of the Passover, we can see Christ. Especially in the matter of, we all know, I think as real believers, that the lamb is a type of Christ, that Christ is the lamb of God. But we also see along with the lamb, the children of Israel had to eat the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs. This signifies that we have to purge away everything that is sinful. The bitter herb signifies something of regret and something of repentance. A real salvation experience, a real experience of the Passover, does include a certain amount of regret and repentance. The reason why is the life that we've received, Chris, the divine life, is very sensitive to sins and to wrongdoings. Then also we see the matter of the blood applied to the doorpost. The blood was applied with hyssop. Of course, the redeeming blood here is our entry into Christ, and hyssop is the smallest of the herbs. This represents our small faith. In other words, through the redeeming blood of Christ, we enter into Christ, but we continue in our relationship with Christ through the experience of the hyssop, which is just the small faith. I'm really glad you uh, recalled that one particularly. That was a very touching point, that uh, the hyssop being so small, our faith does not even have to be that great That's correct. to appropriate the magnificence of Christ's shed blood. Right. 
Dennis, at the conclusion of the Passover, of course, there was a feast. And then at that feast led to immediately another feast, which we're really going to see today. I think we should read maybe a few verses from Exodus chapter 12 to set this up properly, and then we'll join Witness Lee. This is, again, chapter 12, verse 14, and uh, we'll touch 15, 16, and 17 as well. And this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall keep it as a feast to Jehovah. Throughout your generations as a perpetual statute, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. And on the first day you shall have a holy convocation. And on the seventh day a holy convocation. No work at all shall be done on them except to prepare what every person will eat. That alone may be done by you, and you shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Let's join Witness Lee. The redemption of Christ is so excellent, so marvelous, to such an extent we may consider it a mystery, something beyond our understanding. I do believe this is why in the Old Testament we have the Passover here portraying all the elements, all the factors, and all the aspects of this redemption of Christ. Thank the Lord that in the Old Testament there is such a practical and solid, even concrete picture showing us the different aspects of the wonderful and excellent redemption of Christ. You have seen that how Christ is not only the land, but also the unleavened bread, and also the bitter herbs, but also he's the house. The lamb, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, and the house. When you have the Passover, you eat the Passover. As far as the Passover is concerned, they do nothing but eat it. When you eat the Passover, you eat the flesh of the lamb, unleavened bread, and the bitter herb. But here it says you shouldn't eat the leavened bread. Not only so, even you shouldn't have leavened bread seed. You have to realize in the human eye, nothing is so important as, as eating. Leaven signifies sinful things, evil things, anything that is evil, that is sinful, that is dirty, in the eyes of God, is signified by leaven. You have Paul's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, especially verse 8. It says what? The leaven of malice and the leaven of wickedness. All these evil things are just signified by one symbol, that is leaven. What is the function of leaven? The Bible is always meaningful in using symbols. To put leaven into the dough is to what? To make the bread soft. We call leaven the bread 
becomes so hard. And sometimes it becomes twistless. This signifies sin function in this way. So many things, if you don't have sin in it, it is hard. It is strong. It's not so soft. But when you let sin come in, and sin softens the hard thing. Sin helps the situation. Now, you must pick up a principle. Whenever you bring in something to soften the hard thing, that is the principle of leaven. The feast of Passover is followed by the feast of unleavened bread. When you eat the Passover, you have at the same time to eat unleavened bread. The flesh of the Lamb signifies Christ's crucified and resurrected life. Unleavened bread signifies Christ's sinless life. Whenever you receive Christ as your life, you must receive Christ in his death and in his resurrection and also in his sinlessness. You have to eat the flesh of the lamb and you have to eat the unleavened bread. From the time we received Christ, we began to live a life without sin in our daily living. We shouldn't have anything leavened sin. For us to have no sin, this is impossible. But any sin that is manifested, you have to deal with. We all have to be responsible for the dealing with anything sinful. Whenever we discover something leavened, whenever we see something sinful, we have to get rid of it. Once you have some consciousness about it, you have to deal with it. Again, as a principle of tremendous importance to all believers in their walk with the Lord was touched on in this section. The Passover, which we know very well by now, is a type of Christ. And as we mentioned and saw in the verses, the feast that follows the Passover was also a type of Christ, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Dennis, why was the bread in this feast specifically to be free from leaven? In the natural realm, leaven seems like a positive thing. Chris, this is very interesting that no leaven should be found in the houses or even seen among Israel as you read in Exodus chapter 12. Leaven signifies the evil things or the evil doctrines. For example, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells the Corinthian believers that the leaven there is the leaven of malice and evil, signifying that we should not live a life in sin or live a sinful life. Chris, we see the redeeming Christ and sin do not go together. The function of leaven is to make something easier to eat. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah, Dennis, it seems like we see this uh, around us even today. Many things, if you yes. take them straight right out of the Bible, can be very hard to swallow. That's correct. But there is a tendency, maybe we could say a temptation, to at times add something worldly or maybe even with a sinful connotation to make it a little easier to swallow. But this, in principle, is really the leaven spoken of here, isn't it? Absolutely. Anything leaven is easier to eat, apparently, but it has a devastating effect. Dennis, let's go back to Witness Lee. 
It is called the Passover feast, or the feast of the Passover. A feast is not only the matter of eating, but the matter of enjoyment. This feast of the Passover should be followed right away by the feast of the unleavened bread. This feast was lasting for seven days. In the Bible, seven days always indicate a complete course of time. Your enjoyment, your joy should not cease. Many Christians got saved at the time of their conversion, and they enjoy so much, but they did not keep the enjoyment because they would not deal with their sinful life. They still would eat the leavened bread. Even the leaven is seen by them, but still they do not deal with it. So they don't have an unleavened bread feast. In other words, we Christians, after we got saved, right away we should continue our enjoyment and our joy by dealing with sin. Not just one day, but seven days. The whole course of our life should be a kind of a feast of the unleavened bread. And uh, I would call your attention to First Corinthians 5, 8. Paul says, now we keep the feast. In verse 7, he says, purge out the leaven. Then in verse 8, he says, now we keep the feast. We are keeping him today, tomorrow, until we see the Lord. In our whole course of our life, we are keeping a feast. What feast? The feast of the unleavened bread. Once we will not deal with sin, this feast is gone. We don't have the enjoyment. We don't have the joy. Once we just tolerate a little bit with sinful things, we all know the feast is gone. The enjoyment, the joy, all are gone. But the more we deal with our sin, whatever is manifested, sinful, whatever is exposed, sinful, whatever is seen, sinful, right away we would uh, get rid of it. Then the enjoyment, then the joy is there. And that is the feast. Our Passover has been sacrificed and purged of the leaven. Don't eat any leavened bread. And then what? You have to keep the feast. You have to keep the feast. We keep the feast by what? By dealing with sin. We keep the feast by living a sinless life. We keep the feast by watching over every sinfulness. Whenever a little bit Sinfulness is exposed, manifested sin. Right away, we would not tolerate. We'll hate it. It says, in all your houses, no leaven sin. No need to say, you shouldn't eat. You shouldn't look at. You shouldn't see. Any sinful thing is sin. You have to take away. To get rid of it. Then you are keeping a feast. A feast of the unleavened bread. 
Dennis, the fact that the Passover was followed immediately by this Feast of Unleavened Bread indicates that the enjoyment of Christ needs to be ongoing and continual. Many believers, I think, have a very special enjoyment at the time of their initial salvation, but the feast really needs to continue. It's interesting that Paul picks up this matter in the New Testament. You mentioned 1 Corinthians 5. Was he making essentially the same point that we're hearing today? It surely is, Chris. 1 Corinthians 5 and Exodus 12 are really sister chapters. Paul is saying there that the enjoyment that we had in our initial salvation should continue through the whole course of our Christian life. The emphasis with the Passover, Chris, is not keeping the Passover, but eating, the eating of the Passover, the enjoyment of the Passover. In our enjoyment of Christ, no leaven should be seen. It's interesting, Chris, that in the verses that you read at the beginning of the program, that no leaven should be with the children of Israel or even seen. This means that we are responsible for any sins that we are conscious about. We have to forsake them. We have to deal with them. We have to take care of them. We cannot tolerate the manifestation of any kind of sin. Otherwise, we ourselves will be cut off from Christ as our real enjoyment. Christ as our enjoyment is continued by us dealing with the sins. And also, we see that the Feast of Unleavened Bread is seven days, which represents, as we saw in the number before, the complete course of time. In other words, the Feast of Unleavened Bread follows the Passover, should be one that represents the full course of our human life. Initially, we were saved in God's salvation by enjoying Him, and in our Christian life, we should continue to enjoy Him. Initially, we were saved at the Feast of the Passover. In our Christian life, now we should continue with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Dennis, even when you touched this matter earlier in the program today, that the reason that it's so important to deal with the leaven, or the sin as we're saying, is that is what separates us and cuts us off from this continuing enjoyment. That's correct. And this is why leaven is so devastating, because leaven manifests itself in so many different ways, yet if we don't deal with it, then our fellowship with Christ is cut off. And unfortunately, this is the experience of many believers today, Chris, So many dear believers and lovers of the Lord get saved, they love the Lord, and all of a sudden, because sin is not dealt with, that is manifested, their enjoyment of Christ is cut off. Then God doesn't become real, Christ is far away, and all these things transpire. Actually, the Lord wants us just to continue to feast on Him, and I think we will see that as Witness Lee shares so enjoyably in the next section. Well, let's join him now for that final portion, and then you and I will return for our last time together, Dennis. Here's Witness Lee. Turn to 12.16. In the first day, there shall be an holy convocation. And in the seventh day, there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them. In these two days, don't do anything. No manner whatsoever. No manner of work. You say, I would be a good husband. Don't do it. You say, I like to be a very submissive wife. Don't do it. You say, I would honor my parents. I do my best. The Lord says, stop. In partaking of God's salvation, just enjoyment, no doing. Don't do anything. Just enjoy. Doing, doing, charging to do this, charging to do that. It is just contradicting the principle of God's Redemption. God's redemption says, don't do anything. No man of work. Don't do anything. Check with yourself. 
we have the serpentine nature within us. Right after we got saved, or right after we got revived, we right away make up the mind to do this, to do that. Some made up the mind not to lose their temper. Some made up the mind to be humble, to be nice, to do this, to do that. But the Lord says, no manner of work. No manner of doing these two things are not so easy. To keep eating is hard. To stop doing is hard. Our habit is just vice versa. We just cannot stop our doing. And neither we can keep our eating. These two days are for what? Feast. For the feast of the unleavened bread. If you are going to overcome sin, if you are going to get rid of sin, by any way of doing it, you cannot make it. The only way for you to get rid of sin is by eating. Eating what? Eating Jesus. <laughs> eating Christ. Eating the crucified and resurrected and sinless life. He charges us not to do. If I invite you to my home for feasting, yet you would do a lot of work for me. You would clean the window for me, you would mow the lawn for me, and you would train the tree for me, you would do this. You would offend me. I don't like you to do so much. Would you please sit down? <laughs> and eat with me. The more you eat, the more I'm happy. No leaven, no man of work. But what? Eat. Dennis, the marvelous picture of our Christian life that's depicted in these two feasts is very clear now. The feasts represent our enjoyment of Christ. Sin and self-effort are the factors that disrupt our enjoyment. Yet the only means of ceasing from either of these two is to continue in the feasting. It seems that we're left with this. We have to overcome sin and self in order to continue the feasting. But we must continue the feast to be able to overcome sin and self. can seem like a paradox, Dennis. How do we fit these two together in our experience? It's interesting here, Chris. In 1 Corinthians 5, again, we see, uh, as you stated, that the feast really represents our enjoyment of Christ. Sin and self-effort become the very obstacles that stops us and that hinders us from the enjoyment of Christ. In the enjoyment of God's salvation, Chris, there is no place for our work. And I appreciate when you read there in Exodus chapter 12, it says that we should put away our work. Especially at the beginning of the new year, we have a lot of resolutions. We resolve to be a loving husband. We resolve to be a submissive wife. We resolve to not lose our temper. We resolve to be humble, etc. All these can be applied to just working. Actually, God's salvation is really for us not to work. His charge is only for us to eat. In Genesis 2, we see the principle. The Lord put man in front of the two trees. What? Not with instruction to do something, but only with the instruction to eat. We have to take care of our eating. In God's full salvation, 
we start off initially in the enjoyment of the Passover, and he wants us to continue in our whole human life in the enjoyment of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I like this, Chris, it is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is not the duty of Unleavened Bread, but it is a feast showing that the Christian life is not a life of duty. The Christian life is a life of enjoyment, a life of eating, a life of enjoying Christ to the uttermost. And I think we can see this principle in Romans chapter 4 and Romans chapter 11, where the word says that in verse 5 of chapter 4, Romans, but to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted as righteousness. To the natural man, Chris, this is impossible because we like to work, but in God's salvation, he only wants us to receive. Dennis, you know, if you have to come up with one guiding focus of this ministry. It seems that you touched it here. We are always brought back to this one primary thing, the enjoyment and rich experience of our wonderful Savior Christ. That's correct, Chris. And we can see that the only way to not sin is to eat the sinless one, which is Christ himself. He is the sinless Christ, and only by eating Christ can we enjoy and experience the life of the sinless one. In John 6:57, Chris, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, pointed out by Witness Lee in his ministry, He that eats me, even he shall live because of me. Chris, what a Christian life we have, a life of enjoyment, a life of feasting, a life feasting on the unleavened bread, which is just Christ himself. Marvelous. It is marvelous. And Dennis, I'd like to end right here so that you and I don't spoil it by adding anything more to it than that. That's sufficient. Thank you for listening. you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.